Hey, this is Ross Bain with Roblin Bubble Radio. This is RPPR episode 166. Cool villain ideas. Woo! And we're going to be talking about villains today at RPPR. This is an, uh, it's a strangely apropos title. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, very I'm, straightforward. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to uh, like, make it easier to figure out what these episodes are about. Uh, so why would so you? You're, you're saying so you're saying that you know iTunes doesn't uh, appreciate alliteration. Um, it's just for the listeners and just for new listeners. Just, just come on in. It's our well, role playing public radio. We're here to one talk of the about things I used to, RPGs. Uh, that fun. was my thing. I contributed title names. I know, I know. But are you saying you're phasing me out? No, we're no, here, no, Tom. No, this is this is the entrapment clause because we'll get you in the easy way and then we subject them to David's puns. There yeah, you go. yeah. That that that's the that yeah. We gotta we gotta reel them in first, uh, Tom. <laughs> First off, though, uh, before we get into the discussion, uh, I do want to mention a couple things. One, when you're hearing this, I'll be in on vacation in Australia, but of course, all these episodes are still scheduled up. Uh, I recorded an extra month of content uh, before I left, so uh, mm. yeah, I'll be posting um, posting stuff to Twitter and Instagram about the, my trip, and I'll still be on the Discord, uh, RPPR Patreon Discord, if mm. you want to talk or ask questions or whatever. Uh, and when I get back, I do have some new plans for RPPR and uh, the RPPR Patreon, uh, so yeah. stay tuned. And also for this month uh, of April, uh, we have uh, I won't be able to run a game because obviously Australia. Uh, but we will be having Bridget, uh, Kyle from BPP Games, and Aaron running games. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, if you like our online games, uh, please check that out uh, for the $10 yeah. up on our Discord. And so, the yeah. work has only driven Ross partially mad. Uh, well, I'm on vacation. I'm not mad at all. Yep, uh, And uh, <laughs> mine will be uh, the first of the month. So uh, expect to hear that soon. It might already be up by the time the announcement might be up by the time this uh, episode oh, yeah, goes yeah. up. So. This, this is going to go up about in the middle of the month. So. Uh, okay. So, yeah. Uh, so, uh, but in other news... Uh, um, there, uh, this on the mix six, you know, that I also work on, uh, a listener who listens to both the mix six and RPPR Friedrich, uh, was ever so kind and sent a care package to the mix, to the mix six of Icelandic, uh, Aquavit, uh, Brennavin, which we did try in the mix six. Listen to, I think the March madness hot takes episode. If you're on the mix six, uh, Patreon, but he also sent us some Icelandic candy, uh, opal. Uh, he sent us two little boxes of it, red and green. Well, spiral red and green and white. Uh, red and white and green and white. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but I mean, it's the really it's red and green. Uh, <laughs> and so this is it's in Icelandic, so it's hard to translate what those flavors are. I actually had to spend a couple minutes googling to figure out what the flavor <laughs> of each one is, and I did. So uh, we already sampled this on the mix six, but like we. For all of you to benefit, just to enjoy, uh, we're benefit gonna make... or the audience benefits. Well, definitely the audience. Yeah, it's not for you. It's for them, Aaron. It's for the listeners. Uh, so uh, Tom and Aaron are here, and they both gladly volunteered. Uh, so I'd like to say I know what the co- I know what the flavors are, but I'm not going to reveal them until after you try it. But first off, what is it going to be? Red or green? Green for me. All right. I'll, I'll I'll continue on to the green portion of it first. Okay, so, so no one's taking a red one. Uh, do what we take. Uh, fine. <laughs> green's my favorite color. All right. Uh, green's yeah. my you favorite are wearing color a green too, shirt. So, but All right, go ahead and take one. And you're not telling us what this tastes like. I will like. take it after I will tell you after oh, I uh after you after you, you know. Are we doing this now? Yeah, yeah, do it. All now. right, we're doing it now. Yeah. All right. Actually, uh, is there a tissue? Let's just do like, one at a time. Let's let's see. Yeah. So, um, Aaron, you already have one in hand. So go ahead and t- try yours first. Um, 
Cantel's just supposed to be gummy or hard. Uh, it is a type of licorice. I will tell you that. It's like a... And let's see, you you took red? I took red. Yeah? Do you want to guess what the flavor is? I can tell you what it actually tastes like. What does it taste like to you? It tastes like Robitussin. Yeah? Um, All right. It tastes exactly like old school Robitussin. Isn't that delicious? No, it's not. <laughs> right. I'm all right. Oh, my God. Um, all right. You had menthol flavored. <laughs> Whoa. Menthol flavor candy. That's what red is. Oh, God. All right. All right so. There goes green. Yeah. All right. All right. We got to get that ASMR in there of just chewing. Too. Is there any nicotine in here? God. <laughs> Something for my troubles. Yeah. All right. Tom. <laughs> Tom's got a just it's very it's kind of licorice but yeah it is a it is a type of licorice but it's kind of yeah <laughs> very unpleasant aftertaste to it yeah yeah it's definitely a lingering aftertaste that's the one I try oh god <laughs> all right do you want to guess the flavor do you want me to have another one afterwards to see yeah if you I don't can... have to I mean you you you've already you, you oh come on is it uh, chili. <laughs> No. Let me let me see if I can guess this. Uh, this is salty licorice or salmonic licorice, uh, flavored with the ingredient salmiac salt or uh, ammonium chloride. Um, Wait, what? Yeah, it's a common confectionery found in Nordic countries. Uh, yeah. Ugh. <laughs> that is awful. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we went to the green. So, but uh, honestly, are, are I, you you're going to try the green too? Yeah. Oh pass, yeah. Hey, Aaron, pass me a red. All right, go for yeah. it. So, no, I I had uh, I yeah. The other one, t- you can't taste worse than Robitussin. <laughs> I mean, okay, we'll find out. <laughs> See, the thing is, it has like the black licorice opener. Wait, Salmoniac, uh gives a salty licorice and a stringent salty taste, aqu- uh, according to Lik- uh, Wikipedia. Sorry. Because when you want to taste things, you want to taste astringent. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I'm actually liking this a little better. The the red? The red. The menthol. Mm-hmm. Yep. The red. <laughs> All right. So it tastes just like a pack of menthol cigarettes. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. This is oddly neutral for me. I, 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 <laughs> so they, you like the second, both of you like the second one more than the first. Well, it's, well okay. I, I, I don't like it. But the thing of it is, is that ah, I, I think there it is. There it is. Yeah, I, I think the robotus, the menthol robotus and flavor mm-hmm. out of the the red, kind of ended up balancing this one out slightly. Yeah, that is just that is some spectacularly foul candy. <laughs> in fact, Thanks, Friedrich. I, in fact, I dare say uh, calling it candy is a crime to actual candy. Whoa. That's yeah, what I say. isn't continuing. Tom, can you hand me a tissue? <laughs> I'm just, I'm gonna throw this away. Thank you. Mm. All right. Uh, let it be known I could not finish oh, either piece yeah I finished the first one but uh you both actually did better than Spencer Spencer actually spat it across the room <laughs> he pulled a glancy yeah he just he just he <laughs> <laughs> got all the way to the door over there <laughs> did, it, about... did it stick uh no no it did land on the floor oh like, uh... <laughs> I'm mildly disappointed <laughs> sorry <laughs> So yeah, uh, thanks, Friedrich. It's oh, the oh, gift that keeps on giving. What was Caleb's reaction? I'm just oh, it, it was awful too. Like, <laughs> I think he had the menthol. Um, oh, I had the green. Well, there was also booze oh. involved in that Picard package, wasn't? Oh there? yeah, and the booze was bad too. <coughs> Caleb yeah. and I both just just 
uh, chugged both of our mini bottles. Uh, but Spencer just took one sip. And he's like, nope, I'm done. <laughs> That's why we have most of a bottle left. But we'll be saving that for our guest on the Mix 6. Mix 6, though, so, too. Yeah. You, you sure you don't want to torture me with partial of that one? No, or? you. it's Aquavit. It's actually pretty similar to the other Aquavit we had. Oh, uh, okay. Never from mind. From Danish That's Daniel. So, yeah, which we have previously sampled on the Mix 6. Oh, God, Anyways. The taste is not going away. No, it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> Diet Dr. Pepper's only making it worse. <laughs> Uh, yeah oh man new stretch girl we just get horrible foods to uh, sample this is no we're not gonna we're uh, i don't i volunteered to do this once we're not gonna make this a regular thing i mean we get enough money i mean on the patreon well if you pay me part of it what what, you're just put the picture of me up there saying i volunteer as tribute what the fuck yeah yeah witness you Uh, anyway. Anyway. Okay, well, yeah. Aaron, would you do it if there was also Kate Glaze spray involved? So, I mean, I just want to give you guys inspired yeah. for a talk about villains, as I was just the villain of this little piece here. No, no, well, like, well, as like, a, a villain, confectionary a, a villain cannot evil. become truly evil without help. Yeah. Yeah, and in this case, it was Friedrich who mailed it to me. Uh, the, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, is it really he the villain in this piece? Um, or is he just a weapon supplier? He's a, he's the enabler. Okay. Yeah. That's close uh, enough. <laughs> so, good job there, Friedrich. Uh, anyway, so yeah, let's talk about villains. Um, because villains are hard to do in tabletop RPGs because players have uh, free will. They're not just following <laughs> a single person's narrative. And two... A little murder happy? Well, it's more that players all have sort of this meta narrative knowledge. Like mm-hmm. everyone knows about tropes, you know, the player, the person. So they, when they see a trope happening in the game, it doesn't matter how much you're role playing. You're like, well, I'm not going to do the in character thing and listen to the villain monologue. I'm going to just immediately attack. Uh, in fact, there was a, uh, I'm reading this anthology of uh, RPG themed comics uh, called Advanced Death Saves, which I'll talk about uh, in our shout outs. And they have a whole comic where, like, aha, the villain shows up, and the player's like, well, I immediately attack. <laughs> we all immediately attack. And, like, the villain, and then the GM is pissed because, like, I've spent hours writing a monologue for this villain, and you just killed him immediately. That sucks. And so uh, that's kind of sort of the problem with a lot of tabletop RPGs is, like, if you have a villain coming into contact with player characters at all, the villain is going to be, like, players themselves out of character will recognize oh that's the biggest threat yeah we need to destroy them immediately and so you can't have like so, even cursory contact with players is like like you know your villains won't survive it um and so how do you have a villain a cool villain an actual memorable villain because either they get annihilated the first time the party meets them or you have so in, in order to have it last a long time they you have to do the whole you know dr claw hiding behind the scenes um, never interacting with player characters except through, you know, like messages or, you know, phone calls or, you know, uh, uh, magic mouth spells or, you know, that kind of thing. Like ways. Video, it, video screens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It, basically eliminating the possibility that player characters will actually kill them if they're in the same room together. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of, un- that you can, that's fine to do, but like that means the villain isn't very, it's hard to make a memorable villain that way. Yeah, because ultimately, it. yeah, you're right. Everything, if you're just constantly screaming at the screen and going with the next time, I'll get you next time gadget attitude about it, um, you, you've, a lot, that's really hard for a game, too, because you'll risk the players really lo- losing interest in what the overall plot is. Well, it's just is. another bad guy. Yeah. Like, I mean, the, it's, it's the basic foundation of making any character interesting requires, you know, basically screen time or like uh, requires us to pay attention. You know, like I did recently play undertale um, and they have a lot of memorable characters in in that game. 
And um, Undertale, actually, there are a lot of bosses, a lot of antagonists. I wouldn't necessarily call them villains. Uh, some of them definitely mm-hmm. qualify. Uh, but the whole thing is, like, you understand and these are fleshed out characters because you spend time learning about them and what they're like and everything. Um, but and you can kill them, but the player, the in this case, the player is motivated not to kill necessarily kill the villains. Mm-hmm. It depends on you know you get that free will choice. So Undertale sort of handles that very well of how to make interesting villains, uh, interesting um, like uh, Flowey is a true villain. Like oh yeah yeah. So uh, without spoiling too much about it, and you have uh, you don't have to. Of course, they they do the thing with Flowey. It's hard to fight Flowey until the very end. Like they they keep Flowey sort of. Nope, you're not gonna uh, be able to kill this villain until the very, very end. So, um, yeah, it's it's hard to make a cool villain uh, because you don't have the ability to make them flesh out their character. Period. If they have to hide from the player characters the entire <coughs> time or rely on video screens or magic spells in order to communicate with the players. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's kind of the dilemma where we're at. So, um, yeah, Tom. Um, in terms of you making a cool villain, uh, like what are what are some of your thoughts on at least dealing with this most essential yeah, crisis? It's actually a villain I came up with for a D and D campaign. Yeah, kind of is kind of I, I kind of is your attempt to like deal with this problem. Yeah. All right. All right. So the a villain I came up with, I think I might mention a long time ago. Okay. It's a uh, he's a, like you know a gen, a general in some you know mm-hmm. imperialistic kingdom. Sure. Who's threatening you know the players? The care. players. Yeah. And that, at, like, that's how you sell him at first, that he is the general leading the legions out to get you. Okay. So, first of all, he's, like, you are far away from him. Sure. And he is surrounded by an army. Now, mm-hmm. you, now you know, it's not necessarily, you know, like, well, then, we're gonna have to, uh, how many soldiers do we have to fight to get to him? Yeah, yeah, work your way up. It's more like, you know, you're dealing with this, like, like it's using the uh, <laughs> four tiers of, uh, like, fourth ed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heroic, Paragon, yeah. all like, the way down. Heroic there. tier, you're, yeah. like you're dealing with, you know, the threat of this army, mm-hmm. and it's coming for you. And, well, it's you know, it's it's on its way, but it's you're dealing with like its advanced scouts and the cavalry and things. Mm-hmm. Then in like, uh, yeah, the next tier, yeah, it's now the army's here. It's, okay, it's time to it's time to get ready for. Like, it's kind of like dealing with Cortez's army and right, right, yeah. So you're just escalating threats, you're escalating, and then finally, uh, like this is when, like, you know, the, then uh, the, you know, it all culminates in the big climactic battle with the sure. gen- the general leading it. And the idea after this villain was, like, and you know, so the players win, mm-hmm. like wipe out the army and kill the general, and you know, like, like, oh yeah, we've done it. But the twist was then for the epic tier, the general was actually a uh, like made a deal with Asmodeus mm-hmm. that in exchange for the lo- the souls of his entire army, mm-hmm. which he then dedicated to Asmodeus, Asmodeus yeah. he would, upon ascend- descending into hell, because that's totally where he's going, yeah. he will, because like, yeah, it also works with the, uh, how hell, you know, how souls are dealt with when they reach wherever they go. Yeah. He gets immediately elevated to the status of pit fiend. Mm-hmm. But allows him, but gets to keep his uh, memories and personality. Mm-hmm. And then one of his, uh, like his, like his second in command, who like had escaped, but was like, you know, Newt can actually summon high level demons. Summons him as a pit fiend. Ah, uh, okay. And so now the general's back. Only now he's the same person. Only now okay. he's a, now he's a devil. He's like an epic level devil. Okay, so yeah, this isn't even my final form. 
essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that's yeah, that's actually a good thing is letting the play, uh, giving villains access to the same kind of resources player characters have, in which case player characters can be resurrected or, or in this case, reincarnated. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, of course, player characters, you're going to use druid spells and like turn into badgers mm-hmm. or whatever. But like in this case, he's a bad guy. So why not be reincarnated into a demon? Uh, so yeah, that, that could be a thing. Um, certainly. You, said, yeah, yeah. yeah. To me, it was like first, like, you know, first it's getting to him. Yeah. And because, you know, well, how do you characterize him at those earlier stages then? As I, uh, I, I would characterize, you know, like just as what they've heard. Like how do the players know he's not just generic bad guy? I'm just like, it's at that point that you can just say like his reputation on the battlefield and okay. the things he's done, like, you know, like he's known as, you know, the merciless, but you know, it's, you know, but you have to make but coldly merciless because, you okay. know, because if you want to make him a, you know, so they're hearing stories about him, they're hearing stories about him. And then okay. they, then they start here, you know, seeing as they are, you know, doing, going through the heroic tier, mm-hmm. they're finding, you know, they're witnesses are going forward to his, to what he's done. Okay. Okay. So basically getting the backstory and lore from second parties, you know? Yeah. Like uh, first it's yeah. just, first it's just, Oh, the general. Yeah. Then, then like you get his name and mm. then you start hearing things okay. he's done and so on. So they're being fed a steady flow of information about him. So, mm. um, I mean, that's definitely good. Like that's, that helps characterize him. Um, Aaron, any thoughts on that? Um, Otherwise, I think uh, not a lot from what you described right now. I mainly just I like what you're putting up ahead of that. There's a lot of background motivation that you don't initially see that you might actually get through different little pieces of information going forward mm-hmm. until, you know, you reach that point of this is yeah, it's like this is my final form. Guess what you just did yeah. with it or being yeah, able yeah. to kind of draw back on those previous experiences to build that that larger picture going like, oh, this is what he's going for. Wow, we fucked up. So, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I mean, yeah, that's definitely a good. I think that's kind of like the standard way, uh, for, especially for a D and D kind of thing. I mean, that that models the D and D campaign structure where you start at low level and work your way up to higher level, dealing with ever greater threats, uh, monsters to fight, uh, and so you the the threat kind of levels up with you because bad guy, bad guy with backstory, bad guy with more backstory. Oh, now you're facing the bad guy. Oh, we now the bad guy's leveled up himself. So like, mm-hmm. uh, that's a good like. Pro- it's a nice narrative arc. Uh, the, the, the problem, um, is though, again, your player character is never going to have a conversation with this guy until the battle where they fight him. And then the battle where he comes back is like, Hey, guess what, bitches? I'm the pit fiend now. Uh, and I'm, ba- it's Brittany. I'm back, bitch. You know, <laughs> um, and I mean, I, 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 that I, meme. I had uh, thought of that too, that it is possible. Like say, uh, you know, if, you know, the players could, could go and have a conversation with them. If done, if but it has to be done very carefully, like yeah, because the players are like, well, we need to fucking just kill this guy. Well, you'll yeah, so like so I, the way I thought of it was like you know if they're like you know if they're actually invested in like you know their their homelands or whatever, you know as the heroes that are rising, I mean I'd like to have like the leader of their side, you know, the, mm-hmm. send them like okay, like he says we'd like you to try to go parlay with this guy to maybe convince him to back off. Yeah, so send them there with like responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, you're going. We were walking into his war camp. Yeah. To let them know that, yeah, you can attack this guy, but he's surrounded by. Yeah. You're not going to win. Like, yeah, it's more the consequences rather mm-hmm. than responsibilities. Like if you, I mean, that's a pretty obvious one. If you uh, attack that guy, he's going to just uh, annihilate you because he's got his entire army. But there. never. But even if it's alone in the tent, like also, you were sent there. Yeah. To attempt, I, and so if you violate the, if you are brought in under a, like a flag of truce. Yeah. And you betray it, yeah. Then you've just undermined your entire, 
yeah, your side's entire goal. Yeah, but I mean that depends on the like. There are a lot it, of player it, characters. It, it, it like, I don't give a fuck. Well, you all like you <laughs> yeah. also need to know your player. I want to get that sneak attack damage. He won't expect it. You know, yeah. I'm an assassin rogue. Yeah. Well, and it, even in that case, it, you could let's like put something uh, putting something more into that that there's something else that they run into during that fight. Like you know, ma- they manage to kill him too. Maybe that waken uh, that that awakens a greater villain who enslaves this one and becomes an informant for you um well i mean if you're gonna like that would need foreshadowing though that would still need to True. build up and like that's kind of then yeah i mean you don't want to um, yeah, you, you, yeah. you need to you need to worry about spontaneous murder yeah <laughs> i mean it's hard to have too many i mean you can't have too many villains uh like too many cooks uh, no and and absolutely this is yeah. uh, to me in this case this would be just a uh, like pull that's like pull tab for if emergency a situation well, only i think um i mean the thing is that that negotiating going to the party would work it depends on the party though so like if your party has um like paladins and clerk clerics in it like mm-hmm. And other people who are like, oh, if you fu- if you do something really out of alignment with your god or whatever, then you're going to lose your powers. Then yeah, then that's a good like yeah, paladin. If you fucking sneak attack him, you're going to lose your paladin powers because like where you're held. To- but if your party's mostly like, I'm an assassin. I'm a ranger assassin. Well, that, that, I'm <laughs> a necromancer. Then at that like, point, assassin. then at that point, I would say then you'd have to as the GM you'd have to go. Maybe they wouldn't be the ones they would send to parlay. Yeah, with this exactly. Guy. Um. So yeah, that is that is that is sort of a good thing. Um, another way um, that's sort of a classic way to have a cool villain is actually not have it know. So the problem isn't like the players want to kill this bad guy, uh, but they don't know who it is exactly. So like, I think that's the other way to do it. And that's certainly more applicable in modern games, mm-hmm. like uh, especially in mystery investigative games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Knights Black Agents or Delta Green. Like, there's a there's a there's a conspiracy or there's a group of bad guys led by someone we don't know who that is uh so the player characters have to find out and so they the or it's a serial killer and so uh of course then you have the same problem where the players are never able to interact with them directly uh but then it becomes like figuring out who the person is and then going and get them. yeah well like he's like serial killers you could have like they make the, they make cryptic calls to the heroes. And- yeah, I mean, again, that's, that's sort of the trope. Um, uh, yeah, phone calls, taunting messages, uh, unique signature. You can still learn the backstory. Kind of like, is it general? You can talk to witnesses or like do forensic. So instead of talking to somebody who survived the battle against or, the general, or, or, it's talk, like, or yeah. talk to the Hannibal Lecter character who yeah. knows about this. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Or may may have some insight into that. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a good one, too. Yeah. Um, another one could be, especially if you're going along like the Knights Black Agents or Delta Green one, is doing something where through some other uh, it's like mystical or supernatural method they're getting flashes of insight through this as well so if it's like recorded memory or a link to this uh, this villain or something where they might be slightly aware of them but they don't get a lot of information so far it's just pieces of that pieces of that puzzle leading them to the the last conclusion so that way you can feel a little bit more connected to them but it doesn't allow them just to step right in the room and one shot them Mm -hmm. um yeah, you could definitely do that. Uh, you know, one thing I, I was thinking about your general, though, um, mm-hmm. you could actually um, have the play. The thing is, if it's a general, that means there's a chain of command, right? There's yeah. A, there's yeah. like, um, and certainly military chains of command have like, what happens uh, if this person, I don't know, gets killed? Mm-hmm. Um, so 
the yeah. the idea is like to make the villain not the the weak point of the of the of the thing the players are trying to stop. Like if we kill that person, we save the world. They don't want to make him load bearing. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, a load bearing villain. Yeah. Um, so like in this case, have the general just show up and attack the player characters, and then like make him a regular boss to fight. But then like, and if he gets killed, well, the bad guys but, just resurrect. Well, him. guess what? Like his subordinate commander now takes over. Or a subordinate commander, or uh, well, or again, it's D and D. There's literally resurrection spells. Mm-hmm. So like, um, and say, and so the villain actually gets killed by the player characters, maybe even like twice. Like there's two. Like they have an in, they have a fight at the end of heroic tier. You know, you're level nine, trying to get to level ten, and the player characters kill the guy, and they're like, oh, we did it, we fought back the bad guys. But then the bad guys drag his corpse back. And boom, the 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 cleric of the war god resurrects him because he's you know the general, and he then they, he he shows up again. It's like I'm back, and at surprise, and, bitches. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and the player characters kill him again uh, because even though the general leveled up, so have the player characters. Uh, the player characters like we destroy his body. And like, well, you didn't destroy everything because he left a lock of hair behind. So there's still enough. That like, back- well, I think the level the level nine resurrection spells like you just need a tiny piece. Yeah. So <laughs> what this does also is uh, the player, the general now realizes he's been killed by the same team of people twice. He's never going to. He, he realizes he cannot kill them by himself. Mm-hmm. And that's when he does. This gives him a motivation to do the Asmodeus plan. It's like, I need more power in order to do that. Well, I better go make a deal with this literal demon. <laughs> And become a pit fiend, and then I'll have enough power to stop these people that are mm. stopping my. Besides, planet. like, what are my soldiers but my tools? Exactly. Yeah, they're they're trying to die for this country anyway. So uh, just go with the escalation. That's like method there. Well, and it's also more satisfying from a dramatic standpoint because the reason why he does this pit fiend thing is because of the actions of the player characters. The player characters are the ones um, pushing the plot forward uh, through the unintended consequences of their actions. Um, so yeah. But also maybe the player characters have chances to talk to him. Maybe they try to talk him down and like he takes their words into consideration, you know, like, oh, you're a hypocrite because you believe in justice, but you're killing all these innocent people <laughs> uh, like, but it's for the greater good. Is it your king's really corrupt and he just wants more land? It's like, wait, I don't believe you. Look at this evidence. And so like, then he's like, well, now I need this pit fiend power in order to oh, kill the king. Assume- oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. That'd yeah, be, yeah. Uh, even better. It's like, oh, my God, I've been serving a corrupt emperor. Yeah, there's there's no way I can stop him on my own, but unless unless mm-hmm. yeah, and so he makes a deal. He kills the king, becomes dictator, um, and then it's like faces the pirate You have shown me so much. Join me, and the pirate is like, dude. Oh no. god, oh god. He summoned as a pit fiend, and as a pit fiend, just walks up to the characters like, I've come for your help. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, let me help help me overthrow the king, and the player's like, No, you're a pit fiend. I'm a paladin. This won't it's work. Like, it's, <laughs> like, it's like, wait, but then he throws their words right back at him. Yeah, it's like, Yeah, but you, but what? Oh, look, yeah, I yeah. made a decision. Yeah. It's the only way we had to go. Let's just wrap this up, and then we can kill each other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, maybe they decide to work together temporarily in order to overthrow the crap king. Because he's the one who's all like, even if you kill this general, the king's just going to raise another army and go out. Mm. Like, he's never going to stop because he's fucking evil and corrupt. And so the player characters kill the evil king with the help of the pit feet. And they're like, all right, now we have to fight each other. Um, and so that's like, see, now we've taken a very basic villain and give him a super great motivation. Um, and he's interacted with the player characters multiple times. 
without uh and so they, he's way more memorable than just like oh he's the bad guy at the end yeah. of the dungeon if you and, and yeah that's what i thought i kind of thought like and a great epic conclusion to a campaign would be if you kill a demon like a devil or demon mm-hmm. on the material plane they just reappear in their yeah where they're from yeah they're immortal so to stop them you would have to go down into the nine hells oh, okay yeah um and like and at this point, and I think part of the deal was that most demons, if they devils, if they fail, are demoted. But part of his deal was, and I can never be demoted. Um, if he has enough souls to feed. So. Oh, which is why, like you said, yeah, make the deal was like you make me a pit fiend, make like, uh, keep remember who I am and still be me, and and you know never I'm, I will never be able to be demoted or destroyed by you. I will give you the souls of all fifty thousand of my soldiers. Right. So at that point, like Asmodeus, even like, well, I can't demote him. Like, so what? I got 50,000 fresh souls. Yeah. Um, of a lawful good country otherwise. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, that could, yeah. Yeah. You could work it any number of ways. So like the player characters, of course, then Asmodeus is like, I don't like this guy because I can't demote him. Uh, uh, so like, maybe I help the player characters sneak but into the, hell. But then, <laughs> but then you're asking like, but hey, players, like, you want to make a deal with Asmodeus, the Lord of the Ninth, Lord of the Ninth? Well, that's the thing is like, well, then you're really clever is like, it's through an intermediary that the player characters don't realize it's Asmodeus until it's too late. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, strangely, this, yeah, the stranger agreed to help you. He seems to know a lot about the nine hells. Yeah. Like a lot. Well, I mean, us presumably players would look for somebody who knew a lot about the nine hells in order to figure out how to sneak in there. So, and they, yeah, walk up to this guy and don't notice the, that's like some priest with a knife sticking out of his chest hidden behind the altar. So, yeah. And so, of course, like, and unless they go, are you Asmodeus? Yeah. Cause you have to tell us if you're Asmodeus. So really it's about making killing the player, the, the, all this is basically, um, to say the best villains are the ones where, the be- the the best option for the player characters is to not kill them immediately when they meet them because i think yeah. i think the key to making a memorable villain is having them interact with the player characters face to face um actually there's a, I, I was very watching like also what makes a great villain and also is they have motives the players can understand yeah that's true that that's why cosmic horror is hard to do mm-hmm. a lot the cosmic horror villains because uh, if they're just like, I want to summon Azathoth, well, he's like, going to fucking nuke the planet. Like, I want to summon Azathoth, you know. Well, and I think there's actually an a, a easier way to kind of do that depending on uh, what you're playing. And I think that's when you have villains who might have personal connections to the characters in the beginning, too. Um, in particular, where, you know, if, with a lot of games, you have people who have either dabbled or gone straight into the that's like the supernatural for other reasons, and then were either corrupted by it or uh, that's like our, you're talking more like a Cthulhu, yeah, Cthulhu or Delta Green yeah. on that point too. Like the from the last uh, uh, what would have been. God, it wouldn't be all hail the king of time. I can't remember that the first com- the name of the first common writer thing I did for Delta Green, but um, the the actual main villain behind that too, and it not was actually not the actual creature itself. That was the thing basically trying to do cleanup duty in order to say like you screwed up, you shouldn't be around here. But the uh, the actual the woman who ended up getting this artifact to try to cure her dad's cancer and realizing oh shit, I can't do this, and it's turned him into a monster, and I have to keep. Feeding him, or else what's left of my dad is going to die. So, mm-hmm. bringing that sympathy back into it, even though she's going to make the wrong decision every single time. Yeah, and that goes back to what Tom was saying about understandable motivation—something mm-hmm. that makes them, well, in this case, human and relatable versus just a cackling overlord. Yeah, uh, yeah, certainly. Like the general, if you f- say, "Oh, he comes from this 
honor culture that like you have to obey your superiors no matter what you know kind of a samurai sort of thing where like the guy you know the he, the general knows the king's corrupt but he's kind of like eh he's just a that's just how kings are he kind of denies either, how bad he's, he's also my king yeah he's also my king so i have to follow his orders. so mm-hmm. like, let's go invade um because we're better than that other country anyway because those are countries are full of player characters yeah they're jerks um <laughs> like pcvania and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah pcvania <laughs> uh so uh, yeah, but having a good mood of like uh, spoilers for Delta Green Scenario Sweetness, um, the antagonist, the villain in that one is a former uh, Delta Green agent who uses a mythos thing to basically create a shadow body that she can operate remotely and uses that to basically spy on her estranged family, like her kid in particular, who's with her ex-husband. And so like, that's it. Like she's just what like wants to be with her kid, but like, you know, they're divorced and she doesn't have visitation rights. Cause you know, she's kind of unstable after all that Delta green shit she did. Yeah. Uh, it, so like the player characters also has because of the mythos thing. Um, it's this weird shadow body that the player characters can fight or deal with several times and then kind of realize it's not killing the kid. It's not just kind of hanging out. It's kind of like visiting her at night. Like what the fuck's going on? And so they have this chance to sort of interact with the villain before they actually meet the villain in person. So I thought, anyways, no, or like that the game where you're playing secret service agents. Yeah. It was just, it was a Russian woman whose dad was a KGB agent assigned to assassinate the president. Yeah. And she just wants to, carry out her dad's wishes after he died. Yeah. Uh, using I, using a remote-controlled yeah. Shoggoth. Yeah, I mean, if you think about, like, in real world, a lot of people who, like, I don't know, steal lots of money aren't necessarily doing it because of greed, per se. They, like... Um, a lot of people believe if I'm rich, that means I'm a better person. Mm-hmm. So like, uh, I embezzled millions of dollars from my office because I'm, I deserve this money because I'm a good person. Um, I worked hard. I worked hard. So I deserve it. I'm entitled to it. Uh, and that's sort of like, well, I, that's no, you aren't, but no. I, at least it's comprehensible to people. <laughs> like, it's not just, aha, I am snidely whiplash stealing money from orphans. <laughs> um, no, yeah. What, what are you getting from those orphans? Like, how is the orphan sitting on well, a it's large from the pile orphanarium of gold? fund, you know? But, like, but is, th- is that really that large, though? That's the question. All those celebrity charity balls, you know. That, I know, but then Ronald McDonald's loaded. But, like, there, there's a little He's bank, a there's that bank over there that I assure you is going to have way more than them. And yeah, probably but that, that is things. a vault. That is armed guards and security cameras. That's that's a lot of it's orphanarium fun isn't that well carded. <laughs> Especially if all you have to do is like change a few numbers in a ledger, you know. <laughs> and throw an orphan over the wall, apparently. So. Whoa! Well, uh, Whoa. metaphorically, not literally. <laughs> just embe- I said embezzling. <laughs> it's white collar crime. That means it's not real, Aaron. <laughs> so um I think yeah, I mean it comes down to like making it to where killing the villain is not the best idea. Like uh, certainly in real world game set in the real world, um, that's pretty easy to do It's like, okay, so this corporate executive is behind this evil group of mercenaries. That's causing all this trouble, you know, but you can't legally prove it because you know, you committed a bunch of felonies yourself in order to, you know, break into their emails and spy on them. And like, you killed some of the mercenaries, threaten some people, threaten some people. So yeah, what are you gonna do? Well, we, Go to the executive and kill them. Okay, well, then you'll be wanted for murder forever because the, the executive is a prominent person. They're going to investigate, and that'll, ru- that'll end the campaign, basically. And, and what underlings are under him who knew about this are going to ascend and immediately try to send other people after you or maybe even get mm-hmm. further revenge realizing. Yeah, it's institutional. Yeah. Um, 
that to a certain degree, yeah, you could you could vary that. Maybe the villain, maybe the executive is corrupting an otherwise well-meaning organization, you know, like a, a nonprofit or just a normal corporation company. Or it's yeah, maybe it's a uniquely evil company, and like you need to take the whole company down. Um, but like, or maybe your player characters are supposed to be like I don't know, vigilant, uh, uh, idealistic vigilantes who are not against killing, pre- cold-blooded murder, or. Uh, yeah. So like, then you, uh, then you need, then you realize you can't just kill the person to get, deal with the problem. Um, and in that case, yeah, uh, it's trying to figure that out. Uh, Another option is to say you have a load bearing villain, you know, as we're talking (laughs) about, like someone who's uniquely evil. And if you kill this person, their plans fall apart. Um, but you can't just kill them. Uh, maybe because they're too well guarded. Maybe, for example, it's a cult leader. And in this case, you have to go undercover. Uh, because also, if you kill this person, it's going to cause more damage in, in, uh, uh, than good. Cause like, if you kill the cult leader, all the cults, all the cultists who are just brainwashed innocent people are going to, I don't know, kill themselves or go on a killing rampage yeah. or do or, something else uh, bad. Or if he dies, they die. Uh, yeah, maybe yeah. maybe they're psychically linked. Maybe they're, uh, or maybe they'll summon a big monster as revenge um, on the world. Uh, so in that case, you need to go undercover, and maybe you're maybe the, that's the whole thing, like doing this undercover thing where you're like, ah, oh, hey, I'm a cultist, and then they have to interact with a cult leader quite a bit, and maybe they start sympathizing with the cult. Yeah, leader. sympathizing, or you know, if you're say you're in a Delta Green one, you start losing sanity and you start being indoctrinated by that. That becomes more problematic too. Yeah, I mean, I would make it so much die rolls as sort of a role playing thing, and like that sort of like try to actually make it reasonable to the player that like their point of view is like, yeah, I, I just believe these things, and I think uh, we should do this because why should we? Because look at all these other things. So yeah, just try and like actually argue with the try to persuade the player to the dark side, you know, and see <laughs> how that works. Uh, so because that that makes good role playing. Um, but yeah, uh, certainly you know, also in sci-fi games, you can uh, do a lot of cool stuff. Obviously, in the Eclipse phase, this problem isn't a problem at all because you're like, <laughs> forks uh, and ego backup. So you're like, oh, we killed the villain again. Yeah, it's going to go oh God, through yeah. so uh, so many times. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there is a problem in uh, you don't want the player characters necessarily to get the ego of the villain. Uh, but then, oh, yeah. yeah. I like the idea of the going undercover. Like, mm-hmm. you ever uh, Gangs of New York? Yeah. Bill, Bill the Butcher? Yeah. When... Uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio has to kind of go undercover into his, into his gang, yeah, and realizes that Bill actually is kind of likes him, mm-hmm. yeah. And there's, yeah, yeah, that's actually, yeah, that's a really good trope, not just in mm-hmm. a cult, like in a criminal organization, like the it's also like Donnie Brasco and stuff like mm-hmm. that, like we're like, yeah, like realize the villains like actually legitimately like you, yeah, and you like the villains too because mm-hmm. they're very charismatic, and they you also realize they're they're a lot better than some of the other psychopaths in the, in the criminal organization. Like yep. he's, he's a, he's keeping order in a chaotic place. Like if you kill him that, Oh man. Oh, the, oh, the Don's psychotic bloody ax, bloody ax. Steve is coming in, <laughs> you know, Bill the butcher's bad, but man, bloody ax. Woo. Yeah, it's like we got to find a way to get re- redo the org chart somehow, and or, or, or cleansing or, hook Fred, or like skull splitters <laughs> coming in. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god, uh, I just like flensing. Uh, or like, oh, the, oh, the like, oh, go, oh, go like, hey, like this, like the skin eaters coming in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nobody, and he just shows up. And it's like, just like cooking 
Peking duck and you eat the skin. It's really nice. Is that Peking duck? You don't know. (laughs) Oh, it really is. (laughs) We can't. He's named the skin eater. How can we trust him? It's he. He just like duck skin is really good. That, but that is a loaded name, Ross. Now the skin taker. Oh yeah, the skin taker. Yeah, there's nothing good about that. Well, no, but the skin skin eater doesn't sound any better because he does like see that you haven't had Peking duck. It's really good. That's I have though. Like that's called. Taking the skin. Taking the skin. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> another thing is, yeah, I mean, we have, we've been talking sort of like the big bad uh, yeah. villains, but there's also like minor reoccurring villains you could have. And like, obviously, the biggest example in RPPR lore is Balgrin, uh, the Rotund, uh, because the player characters kind of adopted him. Even well, you, he, you, had, you made the mistake of giving him a very memorable yes, voice. Yes, 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 yes. Um, <laughs> so it, that was on you. Yeah, no, clearly. Um, <laughs> And so, like, comic relief villains are good, too. And uh, that's actually a good way to actually maybe sort of, like, I would say corrupt player characters. But, like, oh, there's Balgrin again. What he did? Oh, he set the Orphanary on fire. Oh, Balgrin. That's really like, naughty. Shake your fit, wag your <laughs> yeah. finger at Do him. the meme thing, except that dog gets Balgrin yeah. looking up. So Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's actually a really good way is just make them, like, yeah, make them comic relief. Make them likable. And make them not the ma- primary antagonist in that but, case. Yeah, the player character. Yeah. Yeah. Make, them, make them a person. Yeah, um, that, it's. I agree. Like, yeah, that's the problem with like doing cosmic horror villains. Yeah, I mean, cosmic horror villains. You can you can go sort of uh, true detective and just like time is a flat circle. Everything is pain. Uh, why not end it all and just yeah? In certain games, like for example, kind of like Caleb's dealt God's teeth. You could. I was about to say yeah. yeah that. Well, you could do that too. But also as the example from it when. Um, whatever avatar of Nyla Hotep ended up encountering Team Masticate and he was speaking literally to Bast inside the rest of them. Yeah. Like that's, yeah, it, it's not an immediate threat, but it is highly disturbing and still makes it really interesting that you have this entity who could probably thoroughly kill you, but is choosing not to because yeah. of what you carry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The kind of Nyla Hotep villain is also really good. If it's just like, Someone who talks to you and but like won't directly inter- interact with you, like uh, yeah. J- but again, it's again like basically a hologram, you know, kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, and that's interesting too. But again, like I feel, um, it's the best ones are real people that like are similar to the player character, so that they can sympathize with them, um, and just are opposed to the player characters. Yeah. Like uh, super villains in superhero games are great. Yeah. Example of that. Yeah, exactly. Um, because you know, uh, ostensibly, you're not supposed to kill them, so they can keep showing up again and again. Uh, you can learn more every time you fight them. You learn more about their motivations, and you know, what if that villain unexpectedly is the one to jump in front of a bus to stop save a small child? And you're like, why the fuck? You're a, you've killed like a hundred people. It's like, yeah, but never kids. Yeah, exactly. You're like, uh, I was still. Uh, it's, it's like you've like you've literally killed a thousand. You've killed hundreds. Like, but I'm in payday too. They were all cops from the elemental plane of cops <laughs> yeah they're all just law elementals. They, they were home they were, they were law homunculi so yeah. law elementals uh i mean homunculi works too i guess okay thank you <laughs> uh no, i still like, do okay. i still do want to write like, oh my god cop cop elementals <laughs> exactly cop elementals um and uh yeah then you can sort of build it up and then you can uh yeah comics are really good uh, in terms of like over time making really interesting villains. Um, of course, the thing is, they comics do the thing where they can s- 
switch perspective from the player from the heroes to the villains and like let's see what eddie brock is doing in the sewer talking mm. to venom um where in an rpg you can't really like okay i'm gonna talk i'm gonna do a cutaway scene where two npcs <laughs> are gonna talk to each other for like four minutes it's like excuse me i wrote I, i'm gonna read the story yeah yeah let me read the story which will just kill the, the game dead um now you could do some experimental things like you do like little storytelling games or like side games where like, let's see what all these villains are doing in a one shot. That's totally away from the main game. So like, what is the sinister? What if the sinister sinister six got captured by arcade and had to fight a battle Royale with other villains. And then like you do a one shot where all the player characters are playing villains that they previously beat up. And like, they have to work together as a team to fight off other villains, you know, or something like that. Cause uh, that could be really interesting because then the player character is like, okay, yeah, I, I I see this. And then they can read like the little backstory you've written for them, uh, work that into their role playing. Or uh, make it the setup too for something else larger that the heroes have to deal with later on. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a foreshadowing. Like Arcade's got this awesome power now that he can kidnap a hundred villains and force them to fight to the death. Um, or for example, he could... Uh, you could do cutaway vignettes where you make the player characters role play as Eddie Brock and Venom, for example. Mm, yeah. Uh, that could be really fun. Um, you know, I've, I've seen on D and D too, like, well, let's let, well, actually like I've heard about this in a D and D campaign, for example, where, um, you know, the player characters in the underdark doing things, exploring, then the player, then the GM ran out one session, a one shot where everyone was playing a kobold, part of a kobold tribe, and they were fighting other monsters, and then they all get killed by a dragon at the end. Well, we and also and then like then later on back then they cut back to the main campaign. The player characters find the corpses of these kobolds, and they're like, "Oh shit, it's these guys!" And then they know that the shadow dragons around the corner. Well, the thing is, we actually have a good example here on RPBR specifically with Tribes of Tokyo that mm-hmm. the oh yeah uh, the, uh, what's what was it um yeah what in was the, the game? Few, yeah five thousand years in the future yeah five thousand years in the future. But yeah. somebody let a samurai live in that one. And... Oh, the the one in the past. Too. Yeah, yeah. Somebody... I don't know what you're talking. <laughs> about yeah see i actually read about the the D thing i just mentioned gave me the inspiration to do that oh, okay <laughs> uh so yeah it's a technique we've used in our ppr multiple times uh, <laughs> that i've used because i because kale doesn't understand the idea of a campaign is to run it in as many systems as possible like, <laughs> is it though? Yeah, i mean it's it's really good if you can run at least two systems that seems like a little more experiment your, your experimental godspeed you black emperor way of role-playing which is not bad in certain points but you know what some people's heads might explode every once in a while it's good eric it's objectively good <laughs> You just you just want to throw in all the different games. Is it objectively good or subjectively? I will good? run every game, every system, every setting, and everything. All right, all right. God, that sounds like a games done quick challenge, Ross. Oh, are, is that? Are you challenging me, Aaron? I I don't. I'm just saying that sounds like one. We could probably do that. I don't yeah. think it's done with role playing games though. At some point, like uh, when uh, uh, at some point, I do want to do an Eclipse Phase game where one session is in a symbol space, so it's an entirely different system. <laughs> I know other people have done that where they've done like uh, for one session they just played D and D. It's like you're just playing an MMO and you need to go find this person in this MMO. So and they drop that and, and then like yeah, you're you're here are your characters we're playing DD next time and you have a submission where you have to go find this in per one person <laughs> so yeah Ugh, i don't know if that would be exciting or drive me nuts so i definitely uh, want to do that uh, i'm definitely we know we know you do that uh, yeah so 
Um, so yeah, got a little uh, uh, strange from the topic. But yeah, but cool villains. Um, now, are there any particular type? Are there any villains that you've uh, wanted to do and you haven't gotten the chance? Because you, you mentioned the general, um, mm-hmm. but like Aaron, are there any particular like ex- like actual particular villains that you want to do at some point? Um, I was trying to think because a lot of the villains that I do, uh, as I was saying before, I usually do with I want them to have personal connections to uh, to the player characters and being able to relate back and forth. Um. Honestly, if I were to do one, it probably would be like one of the larger over cosmic villains too. That you, that realistically you can't understand the motivations. You just have to actually go and fight them, mm-hmm. and then start building up little pieces of information over time too to figure out like what would make. Oh, like them we were person. talking about last night. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, um, are you familiar with like the uh, the manga or the anime X? I think. Yes. Is. Yeah. Oh, yes, I am. I've I've watched a little bit of it, but I'm I haven't. So the basic it. premise in X, uh, if it's the one I'm thinking about, and I think it is. Um, basically, at a certain point, there's these people who are defending Tokyo because it's always Tokyo uh, from bad people, and whenever they have to defend the people, um, basically, uh, like a, a certain square section of like uh, ten blocks or whatever of Tokyo, like put in this force field or put in this time distilled bubble, and if the good guys win the fight. Uh, and so, like, they, so they do their typical anime fight, blow up buildings and cars, and fight each other with swords and all this other, you know, anime bullshit. Uh, but if the good guys win, then Tokyo no damage. Tokyo suffers no damage. The bubble is just disappears. Everything is as it was. All the good guys are fully healed, even if they died. But if the bad guys win, all the damage just instantly happens. So, like, time. So imagine time stops in this one section of Tokyo. They have this huge anime fight. The bad guys win, and suddenly there's like all the buildings are collapsing. So is it like the the game cubes and dropping in reboot and the user winning? Uh, so. sure. Uh, that's actually what happens to in reboot that okay so yeah. that when the games if uh that i've never figured out this reason why they did this but in uh, they drop it in the the computer programs or the binomes that are in there have to play in it mm-hmm. if the user wins the entire sector comes up is destroyed <laughs> and everybody else is nullified essentially they're remo- they have their physical forms removed so um so but, yeah, okay, yeah 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 so that's a basic so you could do a villain like that where you have to do these random boss fights and then like you just have to keep killing the villain uh <laughs> over and over again and they can keep coming back and any damage that happens to the environment is just instantly restored and of course if you lose then that's then not dead. the case so yeah so uh that that is a cool idea uh tom any any others? um i like the idea of one uh yeah you know he's doing his evil plot you know doing evil plot but He's actually done someone where he has tried literally every other legitimate way to do it. Yeah. You know, the case like... Well, is this a fantasy or a modern? I or say a like, sci-fi? It's like sci-fi, like a super villain. Like, who is... Like, he's he's got a goal that, you know, he's... Like a space opera kind of thing? Space opera. I mean, maybe a space opera or... Or eclipse phase or what? Anything like that. I okay. think it would work with a lot of those. Just, okay. It's a, it's a... The villain is like he wants to do something that's for the greater good. Uh-huh. But he has tried every other way. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's... You know, like... Is yeah. this like a political goal or is this like like a engineering science thing or is it like uh Again, I kind of think it could be any goal, but I'm thinking more of a you know, like yeah, like a so like social social political okay. way you know, like a way to maintain to maintain the peace or to stop or to stop something bad from happening. Okay. And he's literally, you know, it's just he's over years has tried everything. Okay. And it's and he's come to this where like I want. I, I want to. I guess he. I want to do a villain who's right. Okay. He's like no. Like I have good. This is the only way we can. I can do this. Mm-hmm. And the players have to stop him, but 
They can't do the, uh, like, do you have any idea what you're doing? Like, yes. Yes, I really do. Okay. So you could do, like, um, Jor-El is like, Krypton's going to blow up. It's going to, like, I need it, but I need to do this evil thing in order uh, to stop like, I need these resources. Well, to- that's yeah. the, the Thanos argument, too. It's like, I'm absolutely positively sure this is how no, it's going to No, because Thanos is still freaking wrong. Yeah, Thanos well, is objectively wrong. He, he is, but also that's talking, the, but talking, he's but convincing himself. But it's so. more just... The villain. The villain is right. Yeah, that's what I was saying, Jor-El. Okay. So like, Krypton is going to blow okay. up. Okay. So yeah. like, I, I need to steal these resources to build a ship to save at least one of us. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, he's trying to save. All us. right. Yeah. But you know, the players, they're like, they're trying to stop him from stealing things. Like, let's look. We have to do. I have to do this. Yeah. All right. And, and you know, and so it's a fanatical villain. It's because like, no, I'm literally right, and I hate being right, but I'm right. Yeah. I mean, Thanos, yeah, like, oh, no, you I can was, understand his motivations. Well, that's what I was saying. I, I, I kind of misunderstood if he was right. Because, yeah, he's, he, his motivations, but he's convinced himself of this. He's yeah, not Yeah, but right. the player character, like, an impartial uh, observer can, like, clearly, easily conclude that Thanos is wrong. Yeah. Because... Uh, one, if you had the Infinity Gauntlet, you could just make more resources. Yeah, like, now you could. That's the if you, you, if you could literally create a whole plant, like resource planets. Yeah, like here's uh, a planet made of food. Like overpopulation isn't the pop, even the problem in the real world. Like we have enough food to feed everyone. We just don't. They don't have enough money to eat. Like we just choose not to allocate it to them. Yeah, we have so much food wastage. Blah blah blah. Okay. Uh, so the other thing is, uh, yeah, if you had infinite power, you could make infinite resources. You could make more planets and other things to feed everyone else. Yeah. Um, Thanos, the way I interpret him is that he is so traumatized by the death of his planet and the fact that he, he, the only way he can, um, feel catharsis through like, I watch my world die. Everybody die because they didn't follow through with my plan. So if I follow through with my plan, then my suffering has had meaning. He's trying to validate his own suffering, like essentially. And so he's just been driven mad by watching the extinction of his own people. And uh, that's why he's trying to inflict his stupid idea on everyone else. Because yeah. that's, you know, he's just re- he's caught in his own past. Um, oh. And so, yeah, he's someone you can understand, but that doesn't, but like, it's more different if, like, again, that's why I was saying Jor-El. Because like Krypton is going to blow up. No, and I understand that particular one too, where yeah, the inevit where Tom is going, the inevitability is right, and mm-hmm. you're just having to do something there. So no, yeah, I was yeah. that was where I, I I didn't catch that portion of it before yeah, yeah, I heard yeah, that. Yeah. So no, no. um although if you want to go back to the Thanos example for a second to go to his original motivation was I really want to get it with death. And yeah, yeah. That that won't <laughs> sell for international boning boning the skeleton is not necessarily <laughs> Gonna translate well on the big screen. <laughs> no, that's um, probably the better. Thing I mean, I would have, I would have really enjoyed that, but like, yeah. I know, yeah, that you would have everybody else but us going out, going, "Wow, that sucked." <laughs> just no, it's what? Just like, what the fuck? What? What did I sign up for? Why? Why is Timmy asking me that? Why the purple man is attracted to Skella woman? Yeah. Uh. So yeah. Um. That is. <laughs> Um, so yeah, for one thing, one idea I've had for a villain, well, I'm still working on it. I'm, I'm still not there, but like at some point I do want to go back to base Raiders, write more stuff for it. Uh, like I mentioned the law elementals. Yeah. Um, but I also want to bring in cool rat from, uh, I, I remember your idea for this. So. Well, I actually, I don't know if I, I've talked specifically about this cause I don't want to make cool rat the villain. Cool rat uh, is going to be, um, so my idea for base Raiders is to have some sort of supplement or something talking about like, 
um, all these artificial beings that have been constructed all the years to either be mascots for children or for corporate logos, or were literally created by children. Cause you know, you have all these tropes of like everything from frosty, the snowman to rim Lazar of like children, just magically creating beings or beings magically created to help children. Yeah. Um, and then you also have like robots serving the same kind of function, you know? Uh, and so you have all these beings created to help children or be friends to children or to guard children or something like that. Uh, and then like what happens when those kids grow up uh, and they're kind of abandoned um, or like what similar beings are created by ma- corporations to be living mascots um, or propaganda tools for governments, you know, like <laughs> uh, so the thing is, so those would be like cool rat is trying to be helping them or tra- help them find a home or something like that. And so the, 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 the antagonist, the villain would be of course, someone who has been assigned by the government or the corporations to essentially capture uh, all of these beings and harness their power. Uh, and so, so in this case it would be if since you're selling from like children's or the general imagination, literally fighting the collective imagination of the, of, of kids. Well, it's like humanity. discarded beings, like people that were like, so from the perspective of the villain though, it's like, these are like powerful beings that can like blow up cars and level buildings. They should be nowhere near children. Uh, they should be no near, nowhere near teens. And so like, they need to be stopped because they're a danger to society. And just taken as, you know, the assault on Foster's home for imaginary friends. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> um, it's basically, yeah. Imagine it as a supermax prison. Um, and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Foster's. That- uh, it's basically the, the, the truancy cop for Foster's, uh, <laughs> or a bounty hunter hired by Foster's, uh, the supermax prison. Jeez. <laughs> uh, but like they you know, sometimes these, when you, when you're a robot programmed to help kids and like, let's go on an adventure into space. And then the kids get, you know, sucked out an airlock. Well, maybe that's not so good. (laughs) Like, well, uh, Timmy got uh, exposed to radiation. (laughs) So we had to replace his legs with robot legs, cyborg legs. The good news is that they have a thousand year charge and he'll never get tired. Why are you, what are the handcuffs for? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Timmy's just kind of like, I'm always in pain. (laughs) You get used to that, Timmy. I don't, yeah, we can, oh, yeah, oh, well, just disable your nervous system for that, or your uh, pain sensor uh, receptors for that, so, yeah, uh, we just need to engineer more of you, Timmy becomes, you know, robo-kid, uh, essentially. So, in that case, w- who would you actually have as the villain in this piece? The would bounty it, hunter? The bounty hunter? Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, the villain, that would be the person, and it would be someone who's basically either technologically or magically resistant, so, like, even if you blow this person up, they're gonna come back, um, and... Yeah, I haven't worked out all the details yet. It's I'm still workshopping it. So I'm thinking maybe it is a discarded being that like has found a new purpose and is like hates it or it was maybe uh, a construct that was designed specifically to hunt them. And okay. so, uh, so so a terminator for the terminator like, that or like yeah. a judge doom variant. So. Yeah. Or or it could even be like a parent, like a parent who's like hates that their kid ran away because like they went on an adventure to Alpha Centauri or uh, uh the Dreamlands and like my kid went to the Dreamlands and became a uh, prince to all of uh, Ulthar, uh the cat city. And now he's he just meows at me in my dreams. And I hate that. So I'm going to take it out on you, you former serial mascot, you know. Uh so basically Oh god, that's great. Yeah. Uh so you can understand their motive in that case, you know, the mom who hates that her kid is now in the dreamlands and uh juiced herself up with superpowers and uh yeah, is always going to keep keep coming back. 
That's true. So um, yeah, I like that. Or yeah, or possibly using them in a. Or certain it could be way. an entire team of bounty hunters. Probably. Yeah. Although I like the idea where, like, if you're doing the single parent or somebody else who suffered a tragedy, either directly or inadvertently, um, trying to collect some of these mascots other together in an attempt to get back what they lost too. Like, hey, if I get Tony the tiger oh, yeah, yeah. and uh, Sunny the bird and these guys and put them in this machine, I create a portal to the dreamlands and manage to rest my cat child. That could be back. another antagonist is actually like the ones that prove the bounty hunters point so like you could like cool rat in uh the original uh road trip book is someone who kidnaps kids and replaces them with robot doppelganger so he can keep entertaining the kids um because that he thrives on attention but cool rat has reformed and has repented his ways and is trying to just find a new home for all the discarded beings so that they don't have to be they can be away from humanity and he doesn't don't become what he did so. yeah yeah but like these are the people who are still addicts and so like still trying to get kids to uh, pay attention to them because they um maybe their minds are childlike too you know and they're locked in that way yeah like if you're a robot programmed to be the coolest kid on the block and you can't and you aren't a self-improving ai then yeah, you're then, like, oh no you're locked within a yeah. 10 to 11 year old mindset yeah so. or maybe you're just you pretend to be that but you're sinuously yes uh timmy come on let's go on an adventure Walk down that corridor first. And then the kid gets like zapped by a plasma can. It's like, well, that that corridor is trapped. Let's go get some more kids. Oh, God. Yeah. Using them essentially as 10-foot poles. Oh, God. That would be horrible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like maybe there are some. So that would be another villain is like, and they're the Actually, that could be a thing. We haven't even talked about villains. You don't even know we're villains yet. Yeah. So like you like the player characters are these. All right. So you have characters who are uh, base raiders and uh, they run into this NPC base raider. He's like, hey, I'm having I'm helping. I, I'm tagging. These kids are tagging along with me. I'm showing the adventure, blah, blah, blah. And then the player characters find out later that those kids have all been, you know, blown up, cyborgized, uh, cyborgized. <laughs> cursed or something like that and the play and uh or these teenagers are being used as pawns by this npc base raider and uh they're like oh well that guy's a jerk yeah uh, it's like why do you have like the, the the middle school walking wounded behind you yeah, exactly <laughs> uh or why do you why do you have these precocious teens who are you gave them shape-shifting potions and now they turn into animals but they're being traumatized by fighting a secret war against aliens <laughs> uh we gotta shove in animorphs into this somehow yeah. don't we <laughs> so, so like the player characters realize well the base raider's helping them it's kind of an ally of convenience but do they really want that help? Exactly. What's yeah. yeah? What's the the greater good in this situation to helping with this one particular issue or delving per, deeper into the per, right. the personal problems? Why they were why they came into uh, contact with this creature? Yeah. Overall, and is it even good for them? Is it worth it to fight this extra fight to be moral, or are you just gonna like let that slide because he's giving you a good deal on you know robot parts? Yeah. Well, sure, that yeah. he scavenged. Um, so like <laughs> the player characters, and also if you fight him, you have to be real careful about it because the first thing he'll do is throw the teenager, the shape shifting teenagers at you uh, as you know cannon fodder, and you're like, we don't want to beat up these shape shifting teenagers. That's <laughs> kind of bad and so the player characters be real careful not to pick a fight with this guy uh because he'll be he's real sleazy um yeah good uh, job spoiling stranger things season season seven <laughs> yeah uh again yeah child soldiers uh with base raiders yeah uh so yeah that's another type of villain is the one that is just kind of like oh shit he's hel- he's helping us so it's inconvenient to fight him <laughs> oh damn it 
Um, <laughs> so yeah, those are a bunch of base for, uh, uh, ideas for villains. Um, anyways, uh, feel free to comment question. Uh, if you have questions or comments about this discussion, we'd like to hear about your villain ideas. Absolutely. Uh, post on our website or on the RPPR Patreon discord or, uh, on our Facebook group. Um, anyways, when we come back, we'll have shout outs and anecdotes. And we're back. And Woo! I'm probably going to have some vaporwave on here. I'm not sure, though. Whoa. No <laughs> way. No way. <laughs> you know, I, I just need the music you would not expect to hear at any point. So. Oh, you're challenging me? Yes. So okay. something else that should you just normally don't do on a regular base. So mm. maybe some normal synth wave. So I've done synth wave before. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Well, I'll think about it. Um, <laughs> we should get into anecdotes. Uh, first one I want to mention is Advanced Death Saves, which is the the uh, graphic novel anthology I uh, mentioned earlier in this episode. Uh, it's a compilation of little comics uh, that are about RPGs. Uh, in particular, they have one that is essentially a uh, two page spread of a uh, the haunting uh, and like all the high points in the haunting and just like has a little RPG party of Call Cthulhu investigators going through all the highlights of the haunting. Uh, is it just the general haunting or is it the our- the haunting? Your haunting. What? Yeah, yeah. They, they referenced our haunting. Yeah. Well, I mean, not your particular okay. run of it, but like <laughs> the like, scenario. Oh God. Oh jeez. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so oh. uh, that's from the same guy who did a bunch of these. Um, uh, D and D maps as big spreads with like RPG parties wandering through them. Oh, I've seen those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. same same guy. Uh, but they have other ones too, and they've all been pretty fun. Um, so yeah, it's a neat little uh, anthology. So it's uh, out now on print and PDF. Ooh, uh, nice. And yeah, back to our Kickstarter. Anyways, uh, Tom, you had a video game. You yes, uh, one on Steam. Uh, you know me. I actually I'm a huge fan of simulation sim games. Okay. And uh, business sims, like I actually can spend hours making fake money in, you know, business business sim games. And yep. uh, there's one called uh, Spinnertality, mm-hmm. which is essentially it's like you are running a futuristic, a cyberpunk global corporation bent on both conquering death and taking over the world through business. Business. Yeah, essentially, so it starts in like 2045, and your first goal is to be able to uh, research the technology to download your your own mind and the minds of the board of directors into clone bodies so they can live forever. Mm-hmm. And then you have to pursue you know, a way to take over the planet, mm-hmm. either through just direct conquest yeah. or uh, you know, manipulation of governments. Or actually being really nice. There's actually an mm. ending in the... It's, so imagine like all the, the mega corporation tropes of, you know... Yeah. Cyberpunk and dystopian futures. On the end. That's a good, good game to talk about when we're talking about villains, yeah. Yeah, and except you're <laughs> the guy running that corporation. Yeah, exactly. You're the villain. Yeah. Because you, you, you also have to make, you also have to make, you know, products and... Uh, but it's it's a business sim, but one of the things is like, well, the people don't really want the governments don't really allow this kind of technology to be sold. Like, oh well, then let's get rid of that government. And yeah, exactly. Bring in one that will yeah. sell what I want to sell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in cyberpunk corporations, especially cyber cyberpunk corporations, there there's no there's not really a good one. No, they're all pretty villainous. 
Uh, is like, they're going to make money, whether you like it or not. Yeah, yeah. Best one you can hope for is the one that kind of finds you is ambivalent to you and it's like, ah, we're not going to completely kill you, but we're still going to poison your environment mostly. Yeah, like, I can't think, yeah, like, they're making replicants, they're they're trying to grab Xenos for bioweapons, like, it's, <laughs> there's no good ones. There's not, like, yeah, like, oh, wow, that's a nice, peaceful corporation that's not at all destroying a lot of Now, shit. what I like is one of the technologies yeah. you can research is, you know, human augmentation. Yeah. So you can literally, like, if you get to the highest levels, you can literally create, you know, super enhanced mutant monsters as your entire workforce. You know, so like all of the, like all of your workers have like, you know, minds that have been programmed to operate at like a hundred times normal speed. Mm-hmm. They're gene- they're engineered to you know tirelessly do work. Yeah. And uh, and you can make like and well my like all of our staff right now are. Uh, we we don't have human staff anymore. Yeah. Uh, so how do you avoid getting? How do you avoid getting replaced yourself? Oh well, you throw you you implant you implant safeguards. Oh, I see. Yeah, you can get going to that villain and, thing. Yeah. And there's yeah. also like there's like a lot of the endings of the game. Like okay, I'm just gonna spoil it now because yeah, yeah. Right. But yeah, you can uh, you can research AI too far and AI takes over. Yeah. <laughs> or. Weird. Uh, or the actual the mutants you create stage an uprising against normal humans and take over the world. Yeah, weird. Uh, so yeah, interesting. Or you can also conquer global warming, uh-huh. become a hero, and uh-huh. literally leave the world a much better place than you found it. That is Sounds also fair. one of the endings you can do. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, propaganda. Right. Or you can, <laughs> or you can also take over all media and just rule yeah. the world secretly. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, does sound like a fun game. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of video games, uh, I have a video game to talk about. Uh, and that is night in the woods, uh, which is an excellent platforming sort of, um, storytelling game. Um, <laughs> it's about, it, it's as it animal people, uh, every, every character is an animal, but they're just people, you know, that, that style of furriness where they're, you know, um, so, uh, May, who is a cat, but she is, you know, also a college student. Well, was a college student. She's coming back home to Possum Springs in Western Pennsylvania and, uh, having dropped out of college and she's kind of like not sure what to do with her life now. And, uh, she meets up with her th- three friends from high school. And the whole thing is about like her trying to like figure out a point in life. And, uh, it's very relatable and it's got excellent dialogue, excellent writing, uh, great art, uh, very art, uh, great art style, great music. Uh, and it's a very moving game. It's talking, you know, about everything from existential dread to just partying to, you know, uh, relating to parents and friends, uh, growing up, all that fun stuff. It is a excellent, excellent, excellent game. So what's uh, it called again? Night in the Woods. Night in the Woods. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember you mentioning this. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, it's a great game. I highly recommend it. Uh, I even bought the soundtrack on Bandcamp. So maybe we'll use that music, Aaron. I, I don't know why you're saying that so derisively. I because I've, I, 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 I There's actually a mini game in it uh, that's a roguelike. It's a top-down sort of Zelda-like roguelike. Uh, <laughs> that's also pretty fun. You get achievements for beating that game. Oh, okay. In the game. Because it's all about the Chivos for you. Uh, actually, it's not. There's some Chivos that I don't want to... Like, I had, you have to do multiple playthroughs to see everything in the game. So I've only done one playthrough yet. <laughs> uh, I still have to go uh, be BFFs with the, uh, B. I, I went Greg the first time. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, you get to choose what like they're like, are you going to hang out with this friend today or this friend today? And so I hung out more with Greg than with B. And so, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so I'll have to play through. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> but you have a Steam game that you want to talk about, too. Uh, yes, it was one that I got last Christmas uh, called The Messenger. Uh, it was released by Devolver Studios, so you kind of know their stuff for a new, like, Enter the Gungeon and uh, others. Uh, the whole place is very much a throwback to uh, Ninja Gaiden, uh, where you are playing a trainee in some hidden ninja village uh, that's current, uh, that's protecting against a horrible entity. I'm trying to see if I have the... This, uh, yeah, basically it's just a larger, horrible entity that's going to come every thousand years and destroy you. Like um, you do. Yep. And, uh, your event, you're not, you're actually not the main hero. You're waiting for the Western hero to come through, but, uh, it's, he is only supposed to show up when that's like your hero does. Well, lo and behold, he shows up. Your hero's not there. He slaughters your village and the elder sends you off with a scroll to go fight, uh, to basically deliver and to get a lot of message. Um, I have gotten to the point where the nice secret has been revealed but i don't want to spoil it because it's such a nice a fun plot point that it makes it a lot more interesting but gameplay wise very much like ninja gaiden where you have a lot of crawling quick uh reactions um and it also has a lot of heavier R- rpg elements into it as well that you can experience level up a lot of your equipment and entering a first basically it's a surprise that you get into this mystical store with this uh well one of your shopkeepers what do you buy and what do you sell and who just constantly harasses you when you're going through it just, like what are you buying this for i don't have this available what uh, it's like you don't uh, it's like you don't need that stuff yet so um i haven't gotten too far into it yet but uh this was given to me by our friend Chris so and he we shout out to Chris Farmer yep as 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 usual so and uh he highly recommended it for this so uh <laughs> if you like a lot of the action platforming along with the RPG elements and just again more self-aware humor this is a really good one all right cool uh one last shout out uh it's a documentary on Netflix called Behind the Curve it's about flat earthers <sighs> oh uh, Jesus <laughs> it's entertaining um <laughs> It's quite interesting to get an insight into their mindset. Uh, and they talk not just to flat earthers, of course, but actual scientists and psychologists trying to figure out why do they, why do they believe this stuff? Um, and it is, there are annoying parts where they, they try and focus on this sort of like romantic subplot between two flat earth YouTubers who are like flirting with each other. And it's like, Oh, will they or won't they? It's like, Oh, like, oh God, I don't do care. care. <laughs> um, but there is one really great moment where, like, we got this $20,000 laser gyroscope. And so if the Earth is round and it's rotating, this gyro, it has to rotate, of, you know, 360 degrees in 24 hours. That's 15 degrees an hour. Uh, so if it has, if it does that, then um, it, this laser gyroscope would, would, uh, would uh, uh, rotate 15 degrees an hour. We'd be able to measure it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so we turned it on and it measured 15 degrees an hour. So we realized it's being interfered with by radio signals. So like, uh, we're putting it in a, we put it in a gauze proof tube, metal tube. Uh, so it can't get outside signals, uh, uh, or no, not a gauze, but like, um, uh, Faraday cage. Faraday, but, but you're blocking it off from the signals that it would need to measure. No, it's measuring rotation. So it still worked. So it still measured 15 degrees an hour. Oh, so okay. we realized, okay, so now we're going to put it in a tube of bismuth, uh, <laughs> made out of bismuth to, to, to get real accurate readings. Cause if this doesn't work, man, I don't know what that means. It's like, the Earth is round. Yeah, can't mean that. <laughs> no, just, no, uh, no, not at it's, all. It, yeah, it, yeah. It's a sphere. Yeah, apparently. Um, yeah, one point is like they keep talking the flat earthers keep talking about like, well, there's just a big wall of ice at the edge of the earth. Or like, well, show us the fucking wall of ice. If there's a fucking Game of Thrones style wall of ice, fucking go to it. But- 
Show us footage of it. Just, Try and climb it. I know. Are there white walkers over there? Is it the DC source wall when we break into the next universe? What the fuck? Yeah, exactly. You think they could prove... You think it would be easy. But anyways, um, so it's a good documentary on uh, Flat Earthers. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. And yeah, they're they're kind of dumb. Um, so anyways, um, before I did leave for uh, Australia for my vacation, uh, I did re- play, run some uh, more games of Warhammer 40k Wrath and Glory. They're going up on extended early access. Uh, this is going to be sort of an episodic campaign where every every game is going to be sort of a one shot, uh, both reoccurring characters as each mission. You guys are just going to get a new mission. Go out and go do them uh, called the Pilgrims. That's that's the group name. Uh, so in one of these games, uh, you guys landed on an Imperial settlement um, and you had to find, <laughs> figure out something weird was going on. So something fishy. Yeah. Tell us about it a little bit. Well, what what oh. happened when you found out about it? Yeah. All right. So uh, the planet, if I'm remembering this correctly, we landed on, we named Skagtoria. Yeah. I just so, asked for a name. You yeah, called it Skagtoria. Yeah, like, all right. It sounded like an appropriate Warhammer game. So, sure. um, and I, if you need to correct me on this, because uh, my, of course, my feels my memory's going off, but we landed there uh, after dealing with some chaos, uh, yeah, you're basically taking shelter on the planet. Yeah. There's a chaos ship that was kind of like preventing you from uh, reuniting with your uh, Eldar ship. Yeah. And so, because uh, the planet had orbital defenses, but the chaos ship was out of range. Yeah. Uh, but we managed to go ahead and land on there. Uh, Renee's battle they sister. Had secrets there. Yeah, there are all secrets sorts of secrets. Uh, Renee's battle sister character had a contact uh, through another battle sister, I believe. So No, she's just an Imperial Guard. Just Imperial Guard, uh, okay. Captain who had fought with her, so yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, they found out that the... Uh, the well, two weeks, two and three weeks ago, my memory is already going. This is bad. Um, but yeah, that there is a general secret being held uh, below the surface as well. So that they uh, that uh, entities are creatures that they were dealing with and basically locking the mutant uh, populace down there to deal with saying like, well, you know, it, we don't want to we can't really get off this planet, but we're not going to let them attack us. So let those. That guys deal with it, which well, at least my character was going. That's wrong. Yeah, basically it was an underground settlement, and the but the very bottom levels were abandoned. But a patrol had gone missing. A militia patrol had gone missing. There, it's like oh, I'm sure that was an accident. But then they go to the mutant mushroom farm where mutants were growing <laughs> mushrooms for food because uh, it was underground again. And they talked to them, and they found out mutants had been going missing. Um, and, the community, yeah. and we also found a uh, ended up finding out a plot by uh, the uh, head tech priest, I believe. Um, well, that, that that that's a, yeah. Let, let, we need to okay. Some. So um, they go to the farm and they realize that the bureaucrat in charge of the mutants has been has been a real jerk. <laughs> Imagine uh, that, yeah, in, comparatively to War, Warhammer. And so, how did you decide to deal with the bureaucrat? Um, did you, uh, that, I guess that's the, the, the fun part. Uh, oh God. So, uh, I know you yanked him out of his little office. Uh, yeah. We yanked him out and we basically, put, I believe we put him up at the front saying like, guess who gets to fight the hordes coming out? Uh, well, no, you, you had to go down there. The hordes weren't coming out, but, uh, the, the main thing was that you told you, you enlisted all of the mutants. Uh, oh so yeah, we did. I think you're the one, your character, the charismatic elder. Yeah. Like, yeah. The charismatic elder. So this guy's the bad guy. And the mutants are like, Oh, that, that jerk. Yeah, 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 we oh, basically the guy we already hate. Yeah, 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 we already did that. So, uh, yeah, I have a, a uh, Eldar Corsair that I'm playing that is the mouthpiece of the group, for better or for worse. So, uh, yeah, I kind of did my inspiring speech toward them, saying, "Hey, just kill middle management because they are the ones who took taste taking advantage of you and your mushroom farms and your underground lives." So, yeah, 
Uh, so yeah, there was the, they, they, they assembled a mob of mute. So it was basically a space Marine, a battle sister and an Eldar and an orc for walk you know, into a bar, <laughs> walk, walk into a mutant farm, a mushroom farm and like raise a mob to go, uh, fight some bad guys. And th- that was pretty, I would think it was a pretty unlikely group uh, of heroes, but it, it worked <laughs> out pretty well. Uh, so yeah, that's something to look forward to, uh, on the RPPR Patreon, um, uh, as that's extended early access. Um, so I'm not sure when those are going up on the main feed. Uh, but it'll be after, uh, rain is concluded yep. at some point. So, Ooh, something to look forward to anyways. Um, but yeah, that's been, uh, yeah. RPPR episode 166. Yep. I am at Ross Payton on Twitter and mm. Ross Payton on Instagram and, oh, uh, and I'm uh, at Aaron Karsten on Twitter and you can find our Twitch channel at Railery podcast streaming. And yeah. if you want, I'm lustry and snake on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, tweet at us if you want to feel free to uh, be sure to, uh, like, comment, and subscribe uh, uh, on uh, iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, be sure to rate and review us uh, on those uh, platforms or whatever platform you use to uh, listen to podcasts. Uh, that's deeply appreciated. Also, we have the RPPR Patreon, mm-hmm. where we have a lot of bonus podcasts, uh, early access uh, for a lot of cool stuff. Also, Ruin Playtests. You want to hear uh, my current RP- survival horror, architectural horror uh, RPG uh, playtest in progress uh, at the ten dollar level and above, um, and we'll have some more special offers in the future th- later this year uh, that I'll announce when I get back, uh, sometime in May. And uh, the, yeah, there's other cool stuff uh, there. And uh, you yeah. can listen to us talk more. Yeah, listen to us talk more. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks, Tom. That thanks for summarizing it. Uh, I do what I can. Ross. <laughs> I do what I can. Uh, so this has been RPPR episode one sixty six. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.